This morning I want to ask, this morning I'm going to ask a question, and I want it to be very personal today. I want it to be very pointed today. I'm not talking in generalities. I'm not talking to the group in mass today, but rather I'm talking to you, and I'm asking you today, and again, I want it to be very personal for you, but I'm asking, how are you doing as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Individually, not your home, not your spouse, not your parents. How are you doing as a disciple of Jesus Christ? You see, our placing our faith, our trusting in Jesus as Lord is not the ending place for us. Sometimes we think that's the ending place, but rather that is the starting place for us as Christians. And biblically, we are called not to just be saved, but once we are saved, we're called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. That is our calling. Simply today, we exist as Christians to be his disciples. Let me tell you today, I'm afraid we're missing that. Oh, we know it. Oh, we have heard that, but I'm afraid we're missing that. We want to be saved, yes. We want to be forgiven of our sins, yes, for sure we do. We want to go to heaven, yes. We want to see and spend eternity with Jesus. We're looking forward to that, but I think we're failing to heed the call to be disciples, to actually live as disciples of Jesus Christ. And so I ask the question today, how are you doing as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Why does it matter? Isn't it just good enough to be in a relationship with Jesus? Now that's really unfathomable. That's pretty awesome by itself. Isn't it just good enough to be saved? Why does it matter? Get this, be sure of this. It is because it is only as disciples that we are shaped to know Jesus. And it is only knowing Jesus that we begin to take on and to have the heart of Jesus. And it's only having the heart of Jesus that we would ever take up the mission of Jesus to lead others to follow Christ, to make other disciples. That is God's plan. That is his program. And so I ask the question again today, how are you doing as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Our message this morning is entitled, Instructions for Would-Be Disciples. Instructions for Would-Be Disciples. Today we're in Luke chapter 17. We're gonna catch the first part of these instructions. Luke chapter 17, verses one and two. Luke chapter 17, again today, the first two verses, verses one and two. I'm gonna ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the reverence and the honor of the reading of God's word. God's word says this. He said, this is talking Jesus speaking, he said to his disciples, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to him through whom they come. It will be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and if he were thrown into the sea than that he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we're rejoicing today in you. 
We're rejoicing in our Savior, Jesus. Our hope today that stands, the peace that we have in the midst of a chaotic world, we're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful that we can be forgiven of our sins. We're thankful that we can be reconciled, made right with the Holy God. And we know it only happens through Jesus Christ. And so we pray today, worshiping, thanking, exalting the name of Jesus. We come today and I pray as we begin to study your word, I pray that you would truly speak to us. I know that your word is living and it's active. It's relevant in our time and in our day. And so I pray for your people who have gathered this morning that you would truly speak to us today. I pray that we would be changed. I pray that we would draw closer to you. I pray that we would be better disciples of Jesus Christ. I pray for some in this room that do not know Jesus. For whatever reason, they've, they've come today and maybe it was just to appease somebody or maybe they came and they were interested. Maybe they've been coming for some time. But I pray that in the drawing of your spirit and the preaching of your truth, they might put their faith in Jesus today, on this day. Lord, I ask that you would move supernaturally in our midst in this hour, in this service. I pray that you would be glorified through it. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As we move now to the 17th chapter, I'm going to start off by saying what you do, what we do as Christians actually matters. What we do as Christians truly matters. Now, we've kind of gotten the idea today in 2017 that, that I'll try, I'll do my best, and I'll try, but even if I don't, that's going to be okay. We have grace, and we have forgiveness, and we know that God is an understanding God, and so we really think that what we do as Christians really doesn't matter. Now, we for sure would never say that, but we live like that. We practically live that out. We would say, well, God's understanding. He's going to forgive me. I'm going to try the best that I can, but really it doesn't matter how I live, does it? Well, let me start by saying as Christians, what we do, and I'm talking about the way we respond, the way we talk, the way we think, as Christians, what we do is an outflow of who we are. Understand, as Christians, we are followers of Jesus Christ. We are to be imitators of Jesus Christ. We are disciples holding to the truth and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so understand this morning, what we do absolutely does matter. So then the question then becomes, as a disciple, what do we do? As a disciple, how do we live? Let me just tell you how awesome it is that God and his word tells us. In this ancient context here, to be somebody's disciple meant that you put yourself under their teaching. Now, it was a religious thing. It also didn't have to be a religious thing. You could be a disciple of a learned professor. But to be a disciple meant that you put yourself under somebody's teaching. You listened to their teaching. You took in their teaching. Really, you hung on their words. And over time, you grew as their disciple. Under their teaching, exposed to their teaching, you grew as their disciple. Well, understand today, for us as Christians, we also grow as disciples 
putting ourselves under God's teaching. The way we do that is to, to listen and to read and to study his word. We grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ under his word. So the first checkpoint today is this. How are you doing as a disciple of Jesus? The truth is, you will not grow as Jesus' disciple outside of consistent interaction with his word. And so that's our starting place. You're not gonna grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ unless you're consistently spending time in his word. And so I'm gonna start to sound like a broken record, but I wanna tell you the greatest thing that could happen for us as a church, the greatest thing that could happen for us as Christians is that we would have a revival of the word of God that we would take it in, that we would study it, that it would be the focus of what we preach and what we teach, and we would be grounded in God's truth. Let's look at our verses today. Here we go. Verse one starts off, and it says, he said to his disciples, do not miss that. He said to his disciples, Jesus has been teaching and as you read the previous chapters coming into this, as we go through the Gospel of Luke, as he is teaching, he really is alternating between his audiences. Sometimes he is talking to his disciples. Sometimes he is talking to those who follow him. Sometimes he's even talking to those who are opposed to him. He's talking to his enemies, those who are rejecting him, those who deny him. And so we see as he's teaching, he's going back and forth. Well, today in our verses, he then, now the Bible says, turns and addresses his disciples. The verse starts off, he says to, he said to his disciples. Now, here's the point to catch. See what he is doing here. As he talks to his disciples, as he teaches his disciples, he is training those who would take up his cause when he is gone. He is teaching those who will take up his cause after he's gone. He's teaching them, this is what you're gonna do. This is how you ought to think. This is what you ought to say. He's teaching them how to live as they take up the cause of the commission that he is going to give them. Very simply, Jesus trains those who would serve the cause. Today, as we read, Jesus trains those who would serve the cause. I don't know if I'm kind of strange, but I was, I was very impressed by that. Understand that. In his word, Jesus trains those who would serve the cause. That's who he's talking to. That's the point of what he's teaching. In his word, Jesus trains those who would serve the cause. That is what discipleship is. I want to tell you, it doesn't do anything to grow as a disciple if you're not serving the cause. In fact, if you're not serving the cause, you're not a disciple. Jesus, God in his word, trains those who are going to take up the cause. And that's discipleship. I thought that was pretty awesome. Back to the verse. He said to his disciples, it is inevitable. It is inevitable. And the word inevitable here means sure to occur. It is 
unavoidable. It is inevitable. means it is going to happen. So he says, he said to his disciples, it is inevitable. Next he says, that stumbling blocks come. That stumbling blocks come. Now, what are stumbling blocks? The King James Version, the King James Translation says offenses. It is inevitable that offenses should come. The English Standard Version says or translates it temptations to sin. It is inevitable that temptations to sin will come. New American Standard Version, the version that I use, says stumbling blocks. It is inevitable that stumbling blocks should come. In the Greek, it literally translates snares or traps. And it actually is a trap that would spring shut. And so what it is saying here, it is unavoidable, it is inevitable that snares will come. It's unavoidable that traps, things that would snare up and grab you, that would entrap you, things that would lead you into sin, it is inevitable, it is unavoidable that those things are going to come. First off this morning, be sure, as you try to walk as a Christian, Satan and the world, they are laying traps for you. As you try to endeavor to live as a Christian, they are setting snares for you and they're placing temptations in your path that would try to get you to turn, that would try to get you to enter into sin. And that's the fact that we have to understand. Jesus says that is unavoidable. Jesus says we ought to be aware of that. The New Testament says we're to be on the alert, that we're to be sober-minded. Let me tell you something. If you're endeavoring to live as a Christian... And maybe it's as a new decision that you've made. Maybe it's a recommitment. If you've decided, you know what, we're going to commit our home to Jesus Christ. We're going to commit our teaching to what the Bible has said. If I've trusted my life to Jesus Christ, I want to tell you, Satan in the world, they're putting snares and traps in your path. It's their goal that you would be caught, that you would be turned away, and that you would fall in your walk. Well, I thought it was going to get better. I thought it was going to get easy. No, Satan has a vested interest in setting a snare that would grab you and lead you astray. Jesus goes on. He said to his disciples, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come. But woe to him through whom they come. Now, Jesus is about to get very tough. But woe to him whom through they come. How serious is Jesus here in this verse? The word woe means sorrow to you. It means misery to you. Now stay with me. Jesus says snares and traps and temptations to be led astray, they're going to come. That's, that's the reality. But he says to the one who brings them, he wishes sorrow. To the one who brings them, he calls for misery. He said to his disciples, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to him through whom they come. Jesus is gravely serious here. Moving to verse two. Listen to Jesus in verse two. He says, it would be better it means it would be more advantageous. 
It means it would be for a better result. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck. Now, a millstone was the big stone that was on a, on a stone track, and it had a hole in the middle of it where a shaft would be put through it, and a mule would be tied to it, and the mule would walk in a circle, and that big stone would crush the, the grain, the, the wheat, and grind it into flour. Archaeologists, as they're digging these things up, say that they weighed between 100 and 300 pounds. And so here's this big round stone. It looks kind of like a donut. It has a hole in the middle, and it weighs 100 to 300 pounds. Jesus says this, it would be better if a 300-pound stone were hung around your neck. Now, the picture here is that the hole would be placed over your head. And so you take that 300-pound stone and you place it over their head. And then he says, and he were thrown. The Greek word for thrown means hurled violently. It's not just cast off. It means aggressively, violently hurled. If he were thrown into the sea, Jesus says here, it would be better, it would be better off for that person if a 300 pound stone were tied around their neck and they were violently thrown into the sea to be pulled downward in the current and the water of the sea and for their lungs to fill up with water and for them to die and to drown suffering. It would be better for that person. Jesus says that. That is a better outcome then that he, here's the verse, then that he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. Do you hear this verse? Listen to this. It would be better if a stone were placed around their neck and they were cast into the ocean and they sunk to the bottom of the ocean and there they gasped for air and they drowned. It would be better than that they would cause one of these little ones to stumble. See a couple of things. These little ones. Jesus uses the analogy here of a child. Now think about the picture. He uses the analogy of a child, a weaker, defenseless. Think about your kids, defenseless, helpless child. One of these little ones. He uses that picture to refer to a new Christian. He uses that picture to refer to a weaker Christian. He uses that picture to refer to an impressionable Christian not yet solid in their faith. Not those, those, not those who have a great profound understanding, but those who are just like a child and they need greater care or they need protecting or who need defending. Those that are in need of the greatest amount of instruction. Those are the ones he's talking about. And he says to stumble. The word to stumble means to falter, to fall. When you see the picture here, it means that you're walking along and you're moving along and then you're tripped up and you fall. Hear me today, listen. Jesus tells his disciples, he's telling us today as well, as disciples we're to be careful, and I mean painfully careful, that we would lead no one no weaker brother or sister to stumble in their faith. Do you see how serious Jesus is? We're to be so careful that we would lead no one, that we would, that we would tempt no one, that we would cause no one to stumble in their faith. That's what this means. That's what he's teaching here. 
Doesn't matter how we live. Doesn't matter what we do. Jesus says you're better off drowned than to lead a weaker Christian to stumble in his faith. That is his teaching for his disciples. Now, how would we cause one of these weaker ones to stumble? Could be our words. I want to tell you as Christians, we need to be very careful with our words. We could cause one of them to stumble with our words. It could be our actions. Our actions could lead them into sin. We could ourselves lead them into sin. It could be our attitudes. It could be our responses. It could be the example that we set. I want to tell you a lot of it could be that we profess this book and we talk about this book, but we live differently than this book tells us and the hypocrisy of our lives could cause them to stumble. And so we have to be oh so careful. It could be any of those things. But I think it's a lot deeper than that. In fact, I believe it's more than that. See the context here. Jesus is in between those religious people, those Pharisees who held the truth. They knew the Old Testament scripture. They held the truth and yet they distorted the truth and they perverted the truth and they mishandled the truth for their own gain. And he's got them on one side and on the other side he has those who had heard the truth. More than that, through Jesus, they had met the truth and they had embraced the truth and they are living as his disciples. And so that's the context is he's here between these two groups and one of them holds the word of God but they've distorted it and they've misused it and misapplied it and these others have embraced it and they stand there as disciples. He's standing between, between these two groups. And then it says, listen to this, 1 Corinthians chapter three, Paul is talking there about immature Christians and he says that it's, as, it's like they're as on milk. He gave them milk because they were immature Christians. The writer of Hebrews chapter five, verse 13 says, for everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness for he is an infant, but solid food is for the mature. Ephesians chapter four, verse 14 says, we are no longer children tossed about by every wind of doctrine. See this today. These little ones, these are the ones who are new in their faith. These are the ones that have a weaker understanding. These are ones who need a greater care. And listen to me, the care is the doctrine that we hold as followers of Jesus Christ. The care is the correct biblical doctrine that we hold as Christians. The care, listen to me, is the proper handling of God's word. Can you see that? That's why we grow as disciples when we grow in his word. And then when we endeavor to make new disciples, us being grounded in God's word, as we lead them along, they're gonna be grounded also in God's word. Jesus says, it would be better to be dead in silence than to promote a false truth, a truth of anything other than the biblical Jesus. It would be better to be silenced and dead. Friends, we have to know God's word to be his disciples. That's not an option. We have to be grounded. We have to know we have to study, we have to spend time 
in God's word to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Listen to me today. False teachers are coming, and I'll just go ahead and tell you, they're already here. They're all around us. False teachings are coming, and they're all around us today. And There's an avalanche of this garbage coming in around us. And I want to tell you, as a Christian, for us to embrace them or for us to buy into them or, God forbid, that we ourselves should repeat them, Jesus says, is not tolerable. You see, the truth is people's lives are going to be wrecked. People's walks are gonna be hindered. They're gonna be derailed. Their kids are gonna be led astray and they're gonna end up in pain and suffering and ultimately the mission stalls out. That's what this is talking about. And he said to his disciples, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. So let me ask you today, how are you doing as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today. And we come, and I'm thankful for your truth. I'm thankful that you tell us. But as I read it, I see it's very convicting. And I believe we live in a generation that we've turned and we've walked away from your truth. We live in a generation that we've taken your truth and we've mixed it with the garbage of this culture. We've taken your truth and we've tried to pull out what appeases and helps us, and we've left the rest behind. We're not truly existing as a biblically grounded disciple of Jesus Christ. So I ask you, Lord, we just start here today. We would draw a line today and you'd forgive us for the past. You'd forgive us where we've been lazy. Forgive us where we've been apathetic. Forgive us where we've been wrong and how we handled your word. But, but help us now, empower us to embrace it. The spirit inside of us to help us understand it by faith to help us live it. Let it change this culture, Lord. We come today and I'm thankful for the truth that we have in Jesus Christ. Thankful for the forgiveness of sin that we have in him and that's what really the truth is all about, that we would not miss Jesus. I thank you for him, my Savior. What a Savior. I thank you for him. I pray that in this time of invitation that you would move, that you would speak that you would lead. Pray for decisions that are going to be made. I pray that you would stir in hearts, that you'd remove any hindrances, that you'd remove any pride. Pray that we're able to respond to you and your truth today freely. I ask that you move, not for us, but for your glory. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.